All right, Jen already smirking. Uh, for those of you that are just listening to the podcast, we do this as a video cast as well. But welcome to a, another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. Am I the only one that caught the intro running at like double speed? That not uh, run that way for you? Okay, cool. Good not for me. Um, <laughs> cool. So as always, I'm your host, Adam Smith, with Just the Tips Coaching. And with us pretty much as always, unless she's hiking across Europe somewhere, is our marketing director, Jen Weybor. And hang on, Jen, because we will want to uh, hear about all of your <laughs> adventures. And right. our guest today, repeat guest, a good friend of ours, a great colleague who is actually willing to help us out with this, even at death's door. Greg <laughs> hey, Greg, how are you, man? Adam, good to see you, brother. Always good to see you. Yeah, it's so funny. I'll start with a story. I think, I think Adam and Jen called me. This is like, I want to say it was August of last year. And, and he's like, ah, I'd love to have you on the show again. I'm like, cool. And then they send me an invite and it's for like October of 22. And I'm like, oh, a year and two months later. That's how you guys are booking out now. So so good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that's it's yeah. about right. I think it's about a, a 15 to 18 months. It's uh, 18 gained months. an awful lot of, yeah, it's about 18 months. It's gained an awful lot of popularity that awesome. way. Um, a lot of so people no, are like, no call wow, I, sick or else I'd be back in 2025 is the deal. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's true. If, if we had missed today's <laughs> episode, right. Um, and of course, Jen has missed a few episodes because she literally has been hiking across Europe. Uh, awesome. Last month, we did our annual Mile High Mastermind event. And I want to say it was about exactly a month ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And uh, it's always on a Friday and Saturday, although there's a little bit of activity the Thursday prior and the Sunday following. And I think it was actually Saturday night, Jen jumped in the car with her dad, who had flown in and hung out with us some. And her two dogs and three cats yep. drove back to Maine to leave them at her parents' farm while she then flew to New York, then Porto, and then hiked all over Spain and Portugal, and yep. did eventually make her way back to Maine and to Denver. But um, Jen, how far did you actually hike? Because I can't remember the number, although I know it was astounding. So it was just over 114 kilometers, so just over 80 miles, not including exploring the cities and walking to, you know, like our hike would end in the city and then we'd have to walk three more miles to the hotel type of thing. So sure. it was close to 100 miles all said and done all together. How, how many hikes? How many hikes? It, it was um, part of El Camino de Santiago. <clears throat> so it was the Portuguese route that goes along the coast of Spain and finishes in Santiago. Um I knew it was going to be hard, but I had no idea how hard it would be physically, mentally, all of the things. But it's now looking back, it was incredible. It was wow. one of the probably coolest thing I think I've ever done. It was incredible. Yeah, it was insane, but it was incredible. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That is fantastic. And, and welcome back to a market that turned sideways in the meantime. Right. I know. I'm like watching things. I'm like, I don't know what's going on in Denver. I'm not sure I want to go back. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, no, I'm not sure that you do. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, yeah, it's uh, 
Well, I doubt that they're experiencing the same kind of thing in Portugal that we're experiencing here in the States and certainly here in Colorado. And for our listeners, our viewers, uh, just so you guys know, Greg is in Colorado. Uh, well, I'm not. My office is. My businesses are. Um, I am absolutely out of town right now in case the beach decor behind me wasn't a dead giveaway for that. Um, but we do operate in very similar markets. Greg's maybe an hour down the road from us in Colorado Springs. Uh, and Jen actually lives right in between where the Just the Tips office is, where our mortgage office is, and where Greg is. Um, so we're dealing with very, very similar things. And obviously, everybody and their mother wants to live in Colorado. So market stuff is a uh, interesting subject, of course. But Greg, I think one of the important things that's going on right now and where you're really succeeding and where I think that the people that you impart wisdom on on a regular basis are succeeding is that we're, not that it even really exists, it's kind of a mentality rather than legitimacy, but that we're avoiding any negativity. That we're, you're sick as a dog and you're still here doing the podcast with us kind of thing because we don't have negativity. We don't have sickness. We don't have nope, any nope. illness and certainly not towards what's going on in the real estate market. Yeah. It seems to me like you guys are just business as usual. Keep doing you know, what you've always it's done. It's, Work and it works. Yeah. Hit us. Yeah, it's it's challenging. I think I think this has been one of the uh, most challenging things that I've had to deal with as a leader, honestly, in in uh, my experience, is just sort of understanding that you're feeling the market shift and making sure that you're adjusting accordingly. Um, and some of that simple stuff, right? Just just expect more days on market, setting expectations for clients, things like that. But doing that in a way that you can still like fully lead with optimism, right? Um, but you're right. I mean, if this is what you're meant to do, if this is what you're signed up to do, you got to do it. Good market, bad market, sideways market, whatever it is for sure. So, um, yeah. And as far as, as real estate goes, I mean, there's, there's no sick days. You just got to get up and go. Yeah, I certainly get that. Okay. So let me ask you this, cause you'll have a better grip on it. You'll probably have better grip on it than I do, but I'd like to think I'm rather astute about it. We obviously have a lot of people buying right now, a lot of people wanting to buy where there's still a supply and demand issue. You know, a balanced market is defined by a six month inventory. We're never going to see that again. It'll probably be a seller's market just because of the supply and demand mm -hmm. issue for the remainder of my career, if not for the remainder of my life. So I get a lot of people, buyers in the pipeline, these kinds of things, those that are thinking about it saying, well, you know, we're seeing home prices go down. I'm like, well, you're really not. The supply and demand issue is going to continue to drive home values up for, now, are we going to get 20 or 25% a year, year over year? God, I hope not. That was insane. But insane. five to 10, yeah, even five to 10 would be beyond healthy. Five would probably be healthy. Yeah. Um, we'll probably still see 10. So what I'm guessing I'm seeing or what they're seeing and not able to quite translate the same way I do with a couple of decades of experience is that we're still seeing a lot of agents, sellers, or both listing agents, sellers, or both not pricing properties properly, not managing expectations properly. And as a result, 
we're actually seeing price reductions. We're not seeing decreases in values, but obviously as a consumer, that's how I'm kind of translating that because, oh, this house down the street from me, they just dropped their price 20 grand. Right, right. Yeah, I think- But I've got uh, to assume this is just slow to react. Well, I, I think there's part of that. I think also, I think a lot of agents got um, casual with their presentation yeah. of properties right and so when you're not presenting the property correctly when you're not marketing it correctly when you're not presenting it the way it probably could be i think that's when you're starting to see the price reductions i think we got a little bit lazy i guess is the best word i can come up with over the last three years where um you know a c minus property would come off the market first weekend right and it didn't matter if the property was a plus or c minus you were still getting somewhere between seven and 15 offers right uh, and so i think that's the issue is i think the properties that we're seeing come on the market that aren't presented properly that aren't marketed properly that the value proposition isn't forward um i think those we're seeing the price reductions for sure i think the a plus properties the a minus properties are still moving pretty quickly um, and the properties that have that value that that value proposition still front facing is still moving pretty quickly. I think the properties that maybe aren't showing as well are the ones that are seeing price reductions and and ultimately taking a little longer to sell, um, which is again to your point kind of normal for a balanced market, right? Yeah, and it should be. that I mean, that part of it's on that price. part of it's on that part of it's uncommon though, right? Like a C minus home three years ago, two years ago, last year would have hit the market and it still sees multiple offers and usually thirty, forty thousand over asking. That's uncommon and probably not the way it even should be, right? That's probably still uncommon the way that things are reacting and moving. But yeah, this is and I hate the term obviously, but this is new normal. This is yeah, what yeah. we're just learning to expect. So, um, and by the way, it's also it the old normal, right? Like before two thousand and uh, before two thousand eighteen. Yeah, right. This is what we were used to, too. You know what I mean? A property that was uh, maybe didn't have any differentiating features, or maybe didn't was a little bit bleh. Um, those properties, if you didn't dress them up and make them look nice and clean them and do all that kind of stuff, you get used to them sitting on the market. And so, um, that being said, I will say we've had a couple properties that are really um unique properties and that in whatever in whatever that looks like right so we've had one that we hit the market that had um just some really cool finishes and you could tell the owner just had a lot of style uh, went under contract for first weekend we had another one in a really competitive market with a lot of new builds um that we're competing with it had some really cool backyard landscaping and some awesome outdoor living space honestly i priced that one twenty five thousand more than i was thinking um originally but because of such the wow factor it carried we sold that one in the first weekend too so the 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 properties that that look good that are marketed well buyers are still responding to there's no doubt about it i think that that makes sense let's talk about the business tactics of it what is changing and i'm sure it's not much i'm sure the nuances the slight modifications or negligible, but you and your agents, what are we doing any differently because of what's gone on the last couple of years? And certainly because of the dramatic, you know, left-hand turn we've all made over the course of this year, 
I'm guessing it's probably not much. Do what you do. You know, you work your database, do your social media work, do your video work, all the things that you and I have talked about that we've uh, talked about on the podcast before, et cetera. But offline, what yeah. kinds of, uh, yeah, offline, right? What kinds of shifts yeah. are you seeing? What are they doing any differently? What are you telling them to do any differently? So I think the biggest thing that we're seeing with the shift over, the last few months is we do what we do we do the we do the same basics back to basics in that way but i think the big shift is just extending right so coming up with a listing presentation that speaks to we're not just going to throw it on the market and and really hope it sells and you know you'll hear from us if either way right but even the simple things like following up with your clients once a week i tell my agents like you've got to at least be following up with your sellers once a week to give them the basics, right? That house down the street that, that came on the market, here's what it's about, right? Your new competition, that house down the street that went pending, educate your clients on, Hey, buyers chose that instead of yours. Here's why, Hey, that house on the market that just dropped price, that house on the market that sold, it was listed here. It actually closed here. So they kind of understand. So it's, we're doing what we're doing. It's just we don't have a two-day period. We have a, a, a little bit longer, right? And so a lot of it is that kind of stuff um, in the actual in the actual marketing of the home. It's a lot more follow-up with your clients. You need to be a lot more communicative, that kind of stuff. As far as building your business goes, hug your database like crazy, now more than ever. Um, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity, right? We know as we see market shifts, that tends to come with an agent contraction. And so, you know, the the... the the opportunity that we haven't had is we've been competing with everybody knows two, three people or is related to two or three people that have their real estate license now. Right. Related Um, That that may not, that may not be the case anymore. You don't have to, that past client years may not have the luxury of using their sister or their cousin who just got their real estate license anymore. Right. And so they actually need somebody good. We're we're obviously going to see a little bit of a boom with the expireds and stuff like that coming back into play. Fizbos were able to sell their houses by themselves. Maybe now they might actually need a professional again. So there's certainly some opportunity in this market. And the nice thing is, um, I've been telling I've been telling everybody for a little bit of time, it's really difficult to differentiate yourself in the market that we're just coming out of. When you put a sign in on Thursday, you hit the market on Friday, and you've got 15 offers on Sunday. Um, it, it didn't take really an expert to sell that house, right? Agreed. And so now we're actually going back into a market where, boy, it takes a professional, it takes an expert to sell the house. So there's a lot of opportunity to grow and build your business with that, I think. So it, yeah, it, I think I it's a good think market that's for important. good people, for sure. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I'm big on the exodus, the mass exodus, real estate, mortgages, whoever. And it's been a while since we've seen it. It builds up and up and up. And then we get into a market like where we're at now or like where we were in 07, 08. Tons of people are going to leave the business. It's going to be a smaller pie, but we're all going to have bigger pieces, I yep. think, is, you know, the formula or the uh, the abstract that I like to uh, relay it to. I do think that that's a very big deal. I do also think it's really important for everybody in real estate, buyers, sellers, agents, lenders, title people, on and on to understand that in a balanced real estate market, we have a six-month inventory. I don't care if it's Anchorage, Alaska, or Mobile, Alabama. That's what defines a balanced market is a six-month inventory. You, in a healthy market, you should expect your home to be on the market for six months. You should expect it to take six months to find a home. So we're never going to see that. 
So I have a lot of people saying, you know, gosh, we got married. We moved into my house. We put the spouse's house on the market. And God, it was two weeks ago and it still hasn't sold. What do I do? Relax. Yeah. Take a breath. <laughs> That's the first thing you Take need to breath. be doing is yep. relax because two weeks is nothing in the grand scheme of what's going on in real estate historically. And yes, granted, we were looking at hours on market instead of days on market in 2020, in 2021. So for us to, you know, shift back to days for us to be talking. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so yeah, but I'm really not seeing a whole lot of differences between 17, 18, 19 and what we're doing right now. I, I, this really feels very similar to what it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. And, and again, I think the biggest thing for realtors, at least, is we just need to get back to check on your properties. You know, I mean, as simple as your house that sits there, sells first weekend, goes under contract in 30 days. You might need to go back with that vacant. You might not need to go back with that vacant house and even mow the lawn again, for example. Right. Well, nowadays you may have to. Right. You can't you can't mow it once. Let it look good for the photos and then let it start growing. Simple things like that. Check on your properties going in updating your clients, just keeping communication, right? And so I think the biggest thing is we've just gotten to a point with our clients as a whole that our communication is two days, right? Friday, we're hitting the market. Sunday, here's the multiple offers. Well, we need to get yeah. better than that. We need to go back to basics yeah. and we need to communicate with our clients. We need to be checking in with them once a week. You know, that can be with email, but I'm a firm believer that we, we follow up with our clients that have listings once a week via email and then twice a month in person. Okay. That's solid. Um, I do think that that's important. What is going to shape the future of acquiring buyers and sellers? Is it going to be any different than it has been? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, well, the nice thing is we have a little bit less competition. I think the iBuyer platforms came in over the last couple of years and made it really difficult for buyers. They were, they were bidding buyers up in a lot of circumstances and making it expensive for buyers to, to purchase houses. Um, the one thing I think, especially when it comes time to buying a house, Adam, is, man, the last few years, the last couple of years specifically, I think we've gotten so far away from what home ownership is in that the like when we got in the business... The, the adage is always don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait, right? Real right. estate is an extremely safe investment. And the longer you hold it, the more safe it gets, right? Over the last couple of years, we've seen this thing where people are buying houses and selling them a year later, buying houses. And it's almost like they're day trading real estate, which is not the way to do it. You want to buy real estate and hold. And typically people are buying houses because they're having a baby and they need a bigger house or somebody's off to college. And now they're at a downside. And so the personalization of real estate has gotten so skewed, I think, over the last couple of years. And we need to get back to basics and talk with our people and, and kind of quell some of the fear as far as that goes. Um, hug your database like crazy because they're going to have a lot of questions as the market shifts and they need uh, they need a professional to lean on for those, for those answers, for sure. Yeah. And we certainly talk a lot about identifying and then working backwards from the psychological triggers that lead to the buying and selling of homes. Like new baby, empty nesting, those kinds of things, no question. Job I transfer. I mean, all the reasons Ab people yeah. normally buy houses, right? And that's been so skewed to like over the last couple of years that it's been some sort of a, um, is that me? I don't think that's me. It's no. been so skewed over the last couple of years that it's like, oh, you buy a house so you can sell it in two years and make $100,000. 
that that's not how real estate works. That's, <laughs> been. that's a two thousand. That's a two thousand. You know, twenty to two thousand twenty-two. It, it happened in those two years. It did. Yeah, yeah. it was a yeah. thing. Enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, and 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 whether your money was parked in real estate, stocks, crypto, cars, watches over the last couple of years, that was. Um, Everything was inflating like crazy. So um, I, I think, we're, like you said, we're back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you had a stockpile of plywood behind your house, good for you. <laughs> Everything, right? It doesn't matter. Right. And so, um, again, I don't think we've ever felt this deal where people think like, oh, interest rates are up. That causes everything. Well, it's not only that, you know. Um, and interest rates shouldn't be the only factor when you're purchasing a house, obviously, right? And so again, just getting back to the why someone wants to purchase a house, being there for your database to answer their questions, quell their fear, stuff like that. So, but again, as always, real estate is the safest investment long-term you could possibly make. Yeah, I think that and it will, will always, always be that way. Be the case, yeah. Always exactly. will be that way. No question. And I hate the analogy, but you know, we, we marry the house, we date the rate. I, I don't doubt that every single person that's acquiring a piece of real estate today or multiple pieces, whatever it happens to be, is going to refinance that property next year, year after outside latest. So that part of it is really negligible to me, although definitely a blip. The, the talking heads that we do pay attention to when it comes to finance and particularly mortgage finance all agree that we're probably back down around or under 5% before the year is out with that trend continuing into next year, year after. We'll see how far the, you know, Fed pushes, uh, you know, recession over inflation, those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I, to be perfectly honest, the real estate market, the mortgage-backed securities market, the things that are dictating what goes on from a financial perspective in our industries are probably about on par with where they should be if we actually had a healthy economy. Yeah, don't. You know, it's still a paper tiger, you know, that looks a lot healthier than it is. We could punch a hole right through it. It looks fierce, but could punch a hole right through it. Um, but in reality... You know, getting five to ten percent appreciation, mortgage rates around five percent. That's probably about where we should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not healthy for banks to be loaning money at three percent or less. That's not or less healthy. I don't. At all. I don't have a mortgage. I have a few mortgages, and I don't have a mortgage anywhere near that high. Yeah, yeah, exactly, or less. So, um, right. I think what we were seeing was was probably for the overall economy. Obviously, we had a global pandemic that popped up in it that kind of made things a little bit more challenging. Um, we got through that. I mean, we've got to we've got to see a little bit of normalcy kick in, which is where we're at. So um, I think the biggest thing is we just saw, again, such an increase of realtors over the last couple of years and mortgage lenders. And so there's an opportunity for us to show our value again, which is which is really exciting. I've even seen a bunch, and it's always funny to me, where real estate agents jumped the other side of the track and picked up mortgage licenses and vice versa. And it's always entertaining because I'll have a conversation with somebody that I've been doing work with for years and years. They're a seasoned real estate agent. And then all of a sudden something pops up about how they have a mortgage license. And of course their license number reads like an international phone number, meaning they've gotten it recently. I'm like, oh no, I've been doing mortgages a long time. I'm like, no, you haven't. Your uh, real estate, your mortgage license is somewhere in the two millions. Mine's at like 200,000 when it comes to the license numbers. Yeah. 
So I know right off the bat that you haven't been doing mortgages for a long time, but what made you make the jump? And the answer is, you know, similar to what we've seen with new agents, new originators, people jumping the line in between. There, there was just a lot of the activity, a lot of money to be made in 2020 and 21. And yeah, I do think that that pseudo thinning of the herd is going to be prevalent this year, next year. And I feel like we saw it on the lending side recently um, more than anything. And maybe that's because the refi market that was available, but you know, I mean, Adam, we saw people that were refining a house, you know, twice a year, you know, uh, and just continually pulling money out and this and that, and they'd have lenders that would do it. And I think the lending industry um, really has taken a hit as far as quality to your point. I think we've seen a lot of new lenders coming in and like on my, on my side, on the listing side, typically, Man, it's been some tough transactions getting through. So I'm excited to get back I'm to sure. working with professionals again on both sides, honestly. Yeah, I think that that's a big uh, piece of the puzzle, no question. Um, and we're seeing some things that are going to provide some speed bumps along the way for both industries. A lot of desperation, I guess I would call it, the volume of trigger leads. And for those of you listening that don't know, the credit bureaus sell your information to mortgage companies when you have a credit inquiry for a mortgage. So a client comes to me, they want to buy a house, we pull their credit, and I'm going to be wrong, we omit the contact information as best we can. But remember, the credit bureaus are as good at data collection as like the IRS. So they've got it somewhere. Someday years ago, somebody pulled your credit for a car loan and neglected to omit that information. So now, TransUnion has your cell phone number, has your email address, whatever. And I have clients saying they're getting upwards of 30 or 40 calls and texts from these Ooh. mortgage companies that were doing well during a refi boom like we had in 20 and 21. Now they stink a little bit of desperation. So they're doing things like buying trigger leads. Obviously, that's frustrating the hell out of our customers. I see Jen nodding because she fell victim to some of that, not to the degree we're seeing today, but Jen uh, dealt with a lot of that early this year. Um, and that kind of thing has to just naturally, organically run its course. And then, yes, I do think we'll return to what we experienced yesterday, but mm -hmm. yeah, probably not Let's until we're well into next year. Yeah, Adam, what what are you seeing? I mean, as far as because now I think we're seeing rates all over the place more than we have in the past. I felt like over the last couple of years, it was pretty standard from one lender to the other. Um, for the most part, your rate was going to be right in line. I feel like we're seeing a lot more creativity now. Um, we're seeing arms come back into play. Potentially, we're seeing that two one rate buy down become a pretty popular tool. Um, I've seen chatter about a three one buy down just so. You yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think now more than ever, working with somebody who understands um, the tools that they can take on what you're trying to do and help you execute it for each individual person, I think is more important now than ever. And, and to your point, we may see rates dipping into those fives again, which is probably probably a pretty healthy number overall, you know, uh, into the fives. It could be this year, it could be next year, whenever. What are you seeing as far as kind of the flexibility with some of that and, and and are you are you are you putting people into arms are you putting people into the two one 
Sure. We always we always have. We've always used tools like that, regardless of what the market is doing, because it's obviously unique to every consumer. Yeah. And it's funny because I still think a lot of loan originators are kind of failing to see bigger pictures. And some of that is, you know, that client for life kind of mentality. And some of it is they just aren't educated enough to or experienced enough to do this. I remember uh, Jen might know better than I would, but I was on some guy's podcast recently, a financial planner of sorts. And I had said something to the effect of, you know, well, we want to know how long do our clients plan on staying in this home? Exactly. How long do they plan on keeping this loan? Those are kinds of things that are going to help us shape. Well, if you're only going to own this home three years because you're on a work contract, let's do a five-year arm. The rate will be a little cheaper. You'll save on that. You're never going to be there five years. What do you care? Right. We may as well save that juice. Um, and he said something like, I've had a dozen mortgages over the years or, you know, for purchasing homes. Nobody, nobody's ever asked me, how long am I going to keep the home? How long am I going to keep the loan? Nobody's yeah. ever asked me. And I was like... How, how are you people not asking these questions? These are basic. But we've seen lenders help financial as much as they can. Yeah, I totally understand. And and on the and on the real estate side, we're doing the same thing, right? And we're trying to advise our people based on the lender and stuff like that. We're trying to advise them based on the same thing. So, yeah, it, we're seeing a lot of that too, and we have to get to the overall. What are you hoping to do with this, right? As a client, what are you hoping to do? So I can help you achieve what you want to achieve, right? Because ultimately it's your house. It's your, it's your place. It's your roof that you're going to put your family in. We need to help you accomplish that. Um, in, in, we need to advise you in the best way that we can help you accomplish what you're looking to do. Because at the end of the day, you don't got to pay the mortgage, Adam. I don't have to live in the house. Our clients do, right? That's right. So we need to set them but, up with a structure that works for them in both ways. No doubt about it. Agreed. But back to your original question. I think some of it, knowing the structure of the loans, knowing your client's timeline, knowing what's best for their dollars, not just at time of closing, but in a year and three and five, is a piece of it. Right now, I think the other piece of it that you're seeing, that consumers are seeing, is the mortgage-backed securities market is so fucking volatile, we mm. cannot get a grip on it. For the vast you're allowed to say fuck on here? Oh, God, Jen, Jen will edit that out later. We'll pretend it's not live. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we'll pretend. But the bottom line here is that for the vast majority of my career, a big day on the mortgage-backed securities market might have been 20 or 30 basis points. And then we'd be like, oh, my gosh, that might actually make rates shift an eighth of a point. Now, over the last year, we don't even bat an eye at 100 basis points hardly. Mm -hmm. Right. which is enough to shift rates, you know, a half a point. So the volatility in the mortgage-backed securities market from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, may be some of what consumers are seeing when there's so much variety between what lender A versus lender B is doing. And of course, you know, find your, not lender A, but your A lender, absolutely, because they're going to have a grip on how to study and follow the mortgage-backed securities market. We don't really lock interest rates anymore, mind you. We lock moments in time. So if we want to change circumstances from a fixed loan, from a 30 to a 15-year amortization, or from a, a five-year arm to a seven-year arm, or whatever the case may be, it's that moment in time where the mortgage-backed securities market was performing well, or at least you 
hope your uh, mortgage lender locked when the mortgage-backed securities market was mm. performing well. It's that moment in time that enables us to kind of revolve uh, around as far as shaping what a consumer's mortgage is going to look like. So it's probably twofold. There certainly are a lot of loan originators out there that are buying trigger leads that you know, are working in a sweatshop, in a cubicle farm, whatever, that just don't have the knowledge, you know, their uh, federal mortgage license mm. number is seven digits long instead of six, that kind of thing. And some of it is just a freaking volatility in the market. Yep. Well, I'll tell you the one thing I've been preaching is, to my team and, and to others is we're at a really unusual time and that the incubation period from like you meet a buyer to you get them qualified on Thursday to you're competing in multiple offers over the weekend, that incubation period is uncommon. All right. It is common that somebody gets an idea they may might want to buy a house. They maybe look at a couple. Now they actually call their lender and figure out what that might cost. Now they go shopping and they actually purchase a house. The incubation period for a buyer as a realtor, you should be planning on six months to a year. And so this thing where you meet somebody, you get them qualified for three days um and you get you're out looking at houses and making offers on multiple offers on houses that is uncommon and so as a realtor develop relationships with good lenders that you can have that dialogue with that you can continue to nurture and incubate that buyer throughout the process um because it may be a situation right now where buyers are kind of thinking about the market that may end up buying next year that's common what we've been seeing as far as turn and burn and everything was right now was very very uncommon so i think we all need to make that adjustment for sure and thanks for what you do, definitely, Adam. Yeah. yeah, Jen, you, this would be a great spot for you to interject some <laughs> opinion as that consumer. You went through the chaos. Obviously, yep. <laughs> you have uh, hit the pause button on that. As a potential home buyer, what do you think about that incubation period? When would you start picking up that process again, knowing everything that you know, supply and demand problem, home prices are not going to go down, asking prices, price reductions may very well exist for a period. Um, interest rates went way up, they may trickle <clears throat> back down. What do you think that period looks like? Honestly, for me, even with the interest rates being higher, I'm much more interested again in the idea of buying because it was so cutthroat. Um, Greg, just so you know, I was actively, actively searching for a home earlier this year. Um, but I'm looking in Colorado Springs. I live in Monument and was being outbid by cash offers and investors and all of that shit over and over. And it was exhausting. And it was it got to the point that my mental health was suffering because it was like, oh, another one going for a cash offer for 20 grand mm. over ask here or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was now where it's a little bit slower and I feel like I have more of a chance of actually having an offer accepted, even though interest rates are higher, I'm a little bit more motivated. Um, and I feel like I have the time. I didn't like feeling like I had to jump on a property. It's a big decision. It's the biggest financial decision of my life. I didn't like feeling like I had to make the decision in five minutes if I wanted to sign a $250,000 mortgage. I, I like that. I feel like I have a little bit of breathing room, but like what Greg is saying for me, it's going to take an agent that is, has the patience for that breathing room and isn't looking to sign a deal yesterday that is willing to work with me to actually find the place I really want to be in. Whereas a year ago, I felt like 
I was just going to get in something to, you know, have the keys to the door. And it didn't really matter what it, it wasn't going to be necessarily where I was. It was going to be a third floor condo with my 16 year old dog that didn't make any sense. And, and now we were I showing like, you one house. There's This is your price point. There's one house this weekend that came to market that match what you're looking for. I hope you like it because we're going to buy it. You have. Do you want to decide Actually, in four minutes or six minutes? Right. Like, that, was, that, was the, that was the one Jen agreed to buy, did yes. the inspection and the appraisal, and then found out the HOA doesn't allow pets. And I will say, I'm going to, I mean, I will shout this from the rooftops. For Jen, the call me. Jen, call Please, me. agents, Easily. take the time to look at those HOA docs for your clients. I had two properties that I got under contract with that I had to back out on because my dogs were not allowed and no one figured it out but me. I was the only one on that deal that figured out I could not have my dogs. So, um, yeah, now I feel like, and on that on that note, I mean, the agents also felt rushed, you know, if they wanted to have a chance in hell of getting their offer accepted, they needed to submit it 10 minutes ago. Sure. Whereas now we all have the time to breathe a little bit more. Um, so even though interest rates are up and whatever, like I, I think it's a healthier environment for buyers to get a better home be. buying environment. No. Yeah, I always thought a second showing was a good idea. It's just Absolutely. there's something when you're yeah. in the home the second time that's different, right? When you're in there and you're looking at, you know, Jen, I take you out and I show you five houses that are a little bit different and you decide on one. And then we go back and look at it a second time. It's like whole new goggles you're looking at that place with, right? And so yeah. I, I've been I've been really by that over the last few years, that like turn and burn, the speed of which everything was going. Um, it made for some uncomfortable conversations. It made for some uncomfortable decisions and it just made for, yeah. Um, to your point, like a more uncomfortable experience than, than we would like as professionals. Well, the sure. property Adam's talking about, I had COVID when I put that offer in. I never saw that property in real life, but I so desperately felt like I needed to make an offer on something. And my agent uh, FaceTimed with me and it was great. And it was one of those like, yeah, it's fine. I can live there. But I wasn't excited about it. Sure. And who wants to sign a mortgage for something they're not excited about? Like there's, heard there's something definitely wrong with that. More. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that more and more. And I always thought the same thing. Like, like, man, that when you get those keys, there's something that we've lost in that experience over the last three years, right? Like you're supposed to get those totally. keys and you're supposed to be over the freaking moon when you get yeah. those keys. And yep. we've and we've lost a little bit of that for sure. Um, or if you did have that experience, it still comes with the, okay, well, I mean, I get the house I want, I get the keys I'm thrilled about, but I had to go 50K over asking to get it, right? There's like, <laughs> there's something with that, 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 doesn't quite jive so yeah yeah and I'm, I'm happy for that i'm sure you'll find something awesome in the in the near future for sure i'm one of those it'll, it'll happen when it's supposed to and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now i feel comfortable actually poking around a little bit and not feeling like there's no point there was no point before it felt like by the time something was listed it was almost too late so yeah yeah well i know a super good realtor in Colorado springs you need help do you do you yeah, does he do podcasts after being sick? All I know weekend? a few. Yeah, yeah, he never calls him sick. He always goes. Yeah. Can you can you believe Greg? He's sick. He agreed to do the podcast anyway, and he's dressed to the nines, right? right? Pocket square, French cuffs, perfect winds or not. I can't even imagine that he tied it himself. Absolutely, always tied myself. But I, I actually brought two suits today. I've got the I've got this obviously. And then um, two other video shoots for listings I'm shooting. So no rest for the weary. Just got to get up and go. It's a game. Cool. <laughs> Big day. So cool. Well, Greg, thank you. I know that this is a uh, 
uh, already an undertaking to carve out this kind of time on a Monday morning. And always my pleasure, brother. Well, my pleasure. Appreciate you. Yeah, I, the the best part will be that many many years from now, when we're at your funeral, Jen's actually going to tap on the casket and ask if you'll do a podcast next year. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Greg, <laughs> are you still going to be on the podcast next year? Because you know we have you booked. I better sign up now so I can come back in 2025 for sure. So get me on there right away. <laughs> Adam, man, keep doing what you're doing, man. Awesome job. Always, man. Really proud of you. Um, really Likewise. You Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Jen, what's happening in the world of just the tips these days? Do you even know after your month-long disconnect? I, I have to say, coming back after a month, I'm like, oh, yeah, real world. It's time to start reconnecting again. Um, oh, we lost Greg. He must have to go oh, run. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, I mean, we're coaching. That's, we got through both of our big events for the year, Social Media Day, Mile High Mastermind. Another thank you to all of our sponsors, attendees, speakers. We couldn't do them without you. I'm going to give a shout out to Mindy, who I could not make those events happen without her. I'm so appreciative. Um, Metro State for Social Media Day and University of Denver for Mile High Mastermind. We are so thankful for both of those campuses. Um, yeah, we get to take a little bit of a breather-ish. I don't know. Um, things like I'm going to move our podcast to a new hosting system, you know, working on the business behind the scenes right now. And then I'm sure before long, we'll be announcing there's Hagrid. We'll be announcing. <laughs> we can't <laughs> do a video cast without a cat. So there he goes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure before long, we'll be announcing events for next year. But um, other than that, you can text tips to 63566. If you ever want to find out what's going on with us, if you want to book a free hour of coaching, if you want to get a copy of Adam's book, Just the Tips, um, find past episodes of the podcast. Uh, when we do shift over to the new platform, we'll be on Amazon and a couple other platforms too, which will be really cool. Um, and we are booking into 2024 for podcast guests. So if you're looking to get an episode, yeah, we're booked. <laughs> But that's about it. Text steps to 63566. It's, it's nice to be popular. Right? Yeah. Not bad, not bad. But next week we'll have the Knowles back on. The week after that is Ben Lavender. So we got a, a fun couple weeks of podcasts coming up. Yeah, that will be fun. Yeah, I definitely am excited to talk to the Knowles. And Ben, if you're uh, watching, you were amazing <laughs> at the Mile High Mastermind. Uh, I am definitely consuming a lot more of your video content since. Ton of good TikTok stuff. I'm sure we'll get him to talk about that again in two weeks. Absolutely. And yeah, I guess that's about all the news that's fit to print. Yeah, we will be back next week, 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Cool. Another episode. Thanks, Jen. All right, guys. Have a great Thanks, week. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Feel better. <laughs>